You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. So we had four teams, Jay, four teams that went out this summer. (laughs) Um, But we have a great opportunity to just share with you guys some of the things that God did in and through those teams. Here's the deal. You all prayed, uh, you gave, you sent, and some of you went to go to different places around the world to invest what Christ has put into you, into lives to make a difference for eternity. And there was just so many great things that ended up happening. So you're going to hear from first the Czech team, then Mexico, uh, then Young Lives, and then Lebanon, and I'll be sharing about that at the end. But in and through all of that, I want you to understand they're going to share a few stories but they're representative of hundreds of stories, lives that were deeply changed and impacted. So let me pray for this time, and then we'll start right off with the Czech team, all right? So let's pray. Father, thank you again for the privilege of being able to invest our lives in this community, but also across the world. And Lord, again, an incredible joy of of giving away what you gave into us and the lives that were changed as a result. And I pray that in... Everything we say and do today would be a great celebration of how you change lives for eternity. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Well, this is the uh, Czech team that you guys sent us out with. And uh, we just want to say thank you so much for being faithful and giving. Um, It was an amazing experience. Josiah Venture is the organization that we partner with in order to make these summer camps happen. And over the years, they've seen thousands and thousands of lives change um, and come to Christ. And these camps that um, Josiah Venture does that we, we partner with really emphasize relationship. And some of these kids come year after year after year. And Sometimes it starts real small, but those seeds are planted and they're watered and um, lives are changed and they, they come to Christ. And um, so this, this year was my third time in the Czech Republic, um, but this year was a little bit different because I actually had to lead. There wasn't a Bob or an Andy Colmer or some big authoritative figure that I could go to if I messed up or needed help. So it was a little bit nerve-wracking for me. Um, But luckily, Logan was my co-leader, who was just absolutely amazing. Um, Logan is the second guy from me sitting on my side of the table there. And um, he was just an amazing partner. And we got together and talked about all the things that needed to be done. And um, one of the things we talked about was sermons. Um, Throughout the course of the week, um, there had to be, um, we called them evening talks, just because we tried to stay away from Christianese. Um, And we we had decided that the two of us would share that load primarily, um, which I don't don't usually give talks or sermons. I'm not a pastor or anything like that. So I was a little bit nervous about that. Um, I'm also a people pleaser, if you know me um, at all. I get terrified if if somebody's offended or if somebody is angry with me. And um, 
Sure enough, because we're preaching towards or ministering towards the most atheistic country in Europe, 98% of Czechs are professed atheists. Um, and they're very proud of that, actually. And so um, I was looking through the sermons that Josiah Venture provided, and of course, um, the second half, which I was deemed with the second half of the week, um, is the most hard-hitting gospel parts of the message, and you're presented with this choice. You can either choose Christ and his kingdom, or you can choose your own kingdom and the kingdom of yourself, and one of those choices will leave you satisfied, and the other will leave you feeling very empty. And um, so I did it. I got up there, but of course, one young man was very offended. You can go to the next picture. And um, this young man, the guy in the red shirt, his name is Mathieu. And actually, just before um, this service, when I was standing out there, another gentleman came and told me that he actually ministered to Mathieu the previous year. And um, so it's kind of cool just hearing the progression of, of this, this young man's story. Um, we first... Um, we're done with that, that talk that I had given, and I found out he was very offended, and I was absolutely mortified. He felt like, you know, we were being pushy and manipulative, and I just, I, I freaked out. I called my mom, and I'm like, Mom, I failed. I've misrepresented the gospel. What am I going to do? And I was, I was so terrified. Um, but come to find out later on, um, he had spent two or three hours afterwards having spiritual conversations and talking about Jesus with Logan and with one of the Czech leaders that were there. Um, and then again, after um, camp was over, the Czech students have the opportunity to bring an American into their home and to spend the weekend with him. And that's the picture that you see here. Simon, who um, they refer to as Shimonek, um, invited, Matia invited Simon into, into his home, and I found out later that um, throughout the weekend they had spent many nights up into the wee hours of the morning having those spiritual conversations and talking about Jesus. Now, Matia never made a decision for Christ yet, but those seeds were planted and watered, and this organization gives you the opportunity to see some of these students year after year as they come back, and lives are miraculously changed for, for the gospel and for Jesus, and um, it's just an amazing thing to be a part of and to see um, grow, and your life will be forever changed if you ever decide to go on a short-term team. And I encourage you to do so. If you say, oh, well, you know, my finances can't handle it, God's going to take care of that. And we raise our support, and we've never had a problem with that. So if you are even remotely interested in going on a short-term team, I really, really encourage you to listen to these stories and um, put your name out on the back. You can sign up. We can you can talk to us and tell us about it. Um, it's just, it's an incredible opportunity, and um, you'll be grateful that you went. So this was Team Mexico. Uh, there were seven of us, if I'm doing the math right. Never mind, I didn't. <laughs> well, that was really difficult math. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, we went down to visit uh, Gonzalo and Rebecca Gonzalez, and uh, just from the get-go, one of the amazing things was uh, how story 
what just stood out. Um, how God was weaving the story of what was happening and how he was allowing us to share our stories um, and forming our stories and being able to share how Christ had changed us. From the beginning, some of you probably remember uh, Lupe. Well, uh, before I get to Lupe, part of the story are, are these two ladies. Uh, on One is Don Osorio on the far left, and then the lady whose name is Lupita, she's Lupe's mom. I'll get to her in a minute. She's in between Gonzalo and Rebecca. Uh, these two ladies were um, just very important, crucial to Gonzalo and Rebecca coming to Christ years ago. Donna was married to the pastor then, and, uh, and, and she's widowed. Uh, but Lupita was the lady who invited this couple and their kids into her home to stay with them because they needed a place to stay. Things were pretty rough. And uh, Gonzalo didn't really want to have anything to do with Christ. So one day, uh, Lupita said, you know, I can't find my glasses. Would you drive us to church? So they, they go to church. He didn't want, you know, but he, they get there. And when the, uh, the sermon comes up, uh, Lupita happened to find her glasses, puts it on, and just starts reading, you know. <laughs> but by then, he'd, he heard the gospel, and uh, eventually he came to Christ. Well, now they're in Baja. And uh, so to see these two ladies, we got to, uh, Donna was with us. We got to fly Lupita up there. And to see them reunite after years, uh, it was just very meaningful, very, just that moment was priceless. Um, so one of the things we had to do as a team to get ready was prepare our story. How are we going to talk about my life before Christ, what happened when we came to Christ, and what's it like now? As we started talking about that, you guys remember this lady, Lupe, a few weeks ago, sharing, I had never shared my story. That's what she said. You know, I had never shared my story before. And it was going to be hard because there were things uh, that I would have to open up and share that uh, would make, make me vulnerable. And so she was struggling through this, and her oldest daughter, Adela, was also struggling through the same thing. It was interesting because as Adela spoke to her mom and said, Mom, why do I have to do this? Just because Gabe says, you know, I have to do it. And uh, her mom said, I think your struggle isn't with Gabe. I think it's with God. So you need to have a conversation with him and think about it. So she prayed and uh, uh, she wrote her story. And she came Sunday afternoon to the youth group. And that day um, I sat in with the youth group and I just started asking the kids, you know, would you guys share uh, where you're at? When it, came, when it comes to God and spiritual things. You can be totally honest. I'm not, I'm not going to judge you. You can tell me exactly where you are. Um, I, I, I totally get that. Just be honest. And so some kids are very honest. And, and one girl, she said, you know, I just don't know if I believe in God. Um, one of my struggles is how, how can there be a good God if I've been through so many hard things? And Adela raised her hand, and she said, I feel like God wants me to share my story right now. Um, and so she began to share, and she talked about how she didn't know her, her biological dad and why would God allow that. And then she talked about knowing a father uh, who loved her and who gave up his own son for her. And uh, the two girls just started crying, uh, but it was just impacting. And we hadn't even left for Mexico yet. <laughs> um, but here's Lupe sharing her story with all of these women and the impact, hearing all these women afterwards get, I wasn't there, I was the guy, you know, I couldn't make it. But, uh, but these ladies got up and shared after her and Donna and uh, just be able to talk about what this meant to them. Um, one of the other things we did is we went out with the youth that Gonzalo and Rebecca work with. 
Uh, and to hear Tim in that video, he was talking to them, talking to them about identity and culture and how culture wants to, uh, you know, tell you who you are. And then there's God's voice who's telling you who he says you are. And so he talked about that, and it was really good. But you kind of expect the adult to tell you these kind, kinds of things. But then when Adela, who's 18, shared her story, and then Caleb, who was 14 at the time, you know, uh, shared his, or 15, uh, and then uh, her sister Amanda, 13, they started talking, and they shared their story very boldly. Um, I mean, middle schoolers sharing their life with other, that's pretty, that's scary stuff. To see all these other kids listen, and then we had a, a bonfire there and started hearing their stories. So just to share and listen uh, was really amazing, just, just the opportunities. <clears throat> so here we are. One of the great things, <clears throat> one other thing that, that was impressive was the year before, Tim and I were talking about this trip he took to uh, Ensenada. And uh, he, he walked around the city with his wife back then. And as he walked in the city as a tourist, um, he just felt this deep oppression, this spiritual oppression. And he thought, you know, it'd be great if, if uh, believers would, uh, people who know Christ would walk around this town and pray and worship. So when he came back, I asked him about his trip, and he told me this. And I thought, I think we might be able to do that. We should do that, Tim. So uh, this town is only about uh, 45 minutes, 50 minutes from where we were. So we took one afternoon and, and went down there, and we walked to different places to pray and sing, just worship and look for opportunities to talk to people. Uh, well, the first place we stopped was across the street, we realized later, uh, of an adult porn shop. And, and, <clears throat> and uh, you know, we were, uh, as we were singing, I'm thinking, are they going to come out and, and get mad at us, you know? Um, but just behind us, there was this pharmacy, and this lady over on the right next to Rebecca, um, she started asking Rebecca and Lupe questions. It's, it was like we got there in just the right time. She was expecting, she wanted to hear, and so she, she had questions about Christ, and she trusted in Christ right there with them. And to, to have Lupe come back and just beaming with joy and saying, I, you know, this was an amazing experience to bring someone to Christ. So uh, that was amazing. But there were some hard things. This guy, Jose, has a body shop. And uh, the guys, we went to visit him. He, he's in discipleship with Gonzalo. He spends, you know, Gonzalo spends time with him uh, weekly, uh, going through the Bible and just talking about life. Well, he had to take down his phone number from the wall up front. That's the way you advertise. He had to erase it. Because he was getting mafia calls, um, threatening his family if he didn't uh, cooperate and pay his dues to the mafia. Um, but we got, what are we going to do? We can't solve his problem. But so we just sat with them, listened, and prayed. Um, and we prayed that God would protect him, and that God would give him courage to share his faith with, with his family and, and other people. So these are some of the stories, La Gloria, this little, ta- uh, little neighborhood. Um, I went there a few years ago, and this lady up in the, up in the upper right, her name is Domi, uh, she had come to Christ with her kids. Uh, so when I first went, it was just them. But this time when we went back, her husband, Fidel, was there. And uh, he wouldn't talk to me last time. This time he came, gave me a big a hug, a handshake, uh, and he had brought all these other people to, to this gathering that we had so they would hear the gospel. Um, he heard Oli's story, one of the guys on our team, 
And after he got done, he walked up to Oli and said, you know, if you ever need to come to Mexico, if, you're, if you ever want to come down, your house is, my house is your house, mi casa es tu casa, you know, and, and uh, come down. And they've been in conversation, relationships since then, uh, till now. So these are some of the things that uh, we got to do, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sending us. It was a privilege to, it is a privilege to represent Christ and represent grace. Good morning. Uh, my name is Sandra. I was part of the Young Lives team from Grace. Thank you so much for being, for praying for us and for sending us. Um, this year, the Grace Community Church Young Lives team had a unique opportunity. Just two months before our departure, Dina was asked to pray about the possibility of taking on the preschool program, including curriculum. Needless to say, between Dina Rhonda and God, the answer was yes. <laughs> we were able to use last year's VBS cur curriculum as a base, which gave us music to play, a theme to present Jesus with, and craft ideas. The Grace Young Lives team, now 12 strong, began assembling crafts, musical instruments, games, and stories to share with all the three and four-year-olds at Young Lives. Each day we greeted, comforted, and labeled 24 kids. <laughs> then proceeded to lead them in songs about Jesus, help them create crafts to share with their moms, and, and tell them stories to open their hearts and games to make them laugh. The Grace CC, Grace Our Church, provided kid-sized kid tables and chairs which were gifted to young lives for future camps. Kids chose from huge boxes of homemade instruments, which they used to raise up a joyful noise. Stickers, paints, glue, sunglasses brought, it all, brought out their creative sides. Storytellers invited kids to sit on towels and interact with puppets and props as they learned about Jesus. What a joy it was to be able to share Jesus with these kids. Not only did our preschool group sing along, but we were always surrounded by neighboring child care workers with their kids who wanted to listen in while bouncing babies and worshiping with us. Throughout the entire Young Lives camp of over 400, excuse me, 500, including teen moms, babies, child care workers, and staff, the Gracie C team had a great reputation. We heard, oh, you're from that big group, from one church. Can we talk to you? Can you help us do what you're doing? The opportunity to be able to offer a VBS-like experience to our kids was a huge change from last year. It was awesome to play an active role in sharing Jesus with the kids. Last year, we loved, consoled, fed, changed, and played. This year, we loved, consoled, played, sang, painted, and taught. The biggest thrill of the week was seeing so many young moms choose to follow Jesus on the last day. They will also be leading their little ones up to follow Jesus. And these little ones already know some of the songs. Thanks, Sandra. I'm Dina Sturhoff, and this was the fourth year that I got to uh, 
be a part of this team and serve with this team this year, which was great. One thing I would share with you is that um, what makes this particular mission trip a little bit unique is that um, we don't, generally, you're taking care of very young children. This is the first year we've done the oldest age group that's at camp. And so the gospel isn't something we often get to share other than just through being the hands and feet and rocking and changing and, and loving on and receiving and loving those moms when they drop off and pick up their babies and letting them feel safe with their children in our care. But we're there because we're supporting Young Life. Those teen moms cannot go and be a part of the camp experience where they are often exposed to the gospel for the very first time. And um, it's the first time they have heard about this God. And he's inviting them into a personal relationship and how much he loves them. So we go and take care of their babies so they can hear the gospel. But the joy of this year was that um, we had an age group that could sit and learn and participate in some stories and things. This was the Zebra Nursery team, and whoops. Um, and these were some of the crafts and different things that uh, we worked on during the week. This little fellow here that I'm helping was my friend Rylan, and I just want to tell you a quick story with him. He's um, one of the little bit older three-year-olds that was in our group of 24 that we had between the turtles and zebras. Those were our nursery names. And Rylan was one of those very bright kids. He's very articulate. Um, his mind was always going. He was, I would say, this kid's going to grow up and be an engineer. Um, he always was very mindful. Anything we played with um, needed to be fixed at some point. He was always mechanicking and um, doing that type of thing with every toy he played with. And so we were often stopping because it needed fuel or brakes or something. He just, he had it down. Um, and so he also sometimes pretended to be a robot. And I don't know, I didn't know much about robots before I met Rylan. And, and robots apparently need new batteries, and they break down too. So they're not, they're not perfect. So Rylan understood that. And so um, even though he was a very busy little boy, and he often didn't necessarily want to sit to do a craft, occasionally we could get him to, um, he was always listening, and he was aware of the music we were singing, and he was aware of the stories that were being told, and um, even though we were often a little bit on the peripheral. And one of the things Rylan liked to do was to, um, we played the I Spy game a lot, and if you've ever been in Central Oregon, you know you can see the night sky so well. And so one of the conversations that we would have each evening was, hey, Rylan, you know, I see the moon. Oh, I see the moon. And then that one night, that first night we played that game, he stopped me and he said, actually, it's a half moon. <laughs> he was right. Um, and I said, who made that moon, Rylan? And he said, God did. Then he got quiet. You could see the wheels turning again. And he said to me, he did a pretty good job, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So these were the kinds of conversations I was having all week with this, my new little friend. And so as the week progressed, um, one of the last conversations we had was, Rylan, who made the moon? God did. Who made the stars? God did. Rylan, who made the grass and the trees? God did. Rylan, who made you? God did. Who made me? God did. And then he got real quiet, and he looked at me with that terrible little face and said, and he fixed us, too. So there you have the gospel in the words of a three-year-old. And that's why we go and we do this. 
And um, we just, we're with a terrific team. Couple more pictures real quick. These little ones that we dream about now and pray for. This last picture is a picture of their mothers, many of them in our nurseries, standing up at the very last event of camp before we get on our cars and leave, um, standing up and saying that at this camp, they made their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and have invited him into their lives. And they're making a public statement. And right before we got on the road, this is us, our whole team, with the leadership team of Young Lives. So again, thank you for sending us. Thank you for partnering with us. And thank you for going with us, because you were there in your prayers. Thanks. This picture shows the team that we sent uh, from Grace Community Church to go and work in Lebanon with a larger team that was from five different churches. So we had 45 people that were part of the team, and we did medical. Uh, we did children's ministry. We did uh, relief work. Uh, we did spiritual uh, life uh, and community development, uh, different types of things. You see, in Lebanon right now, you have one and a half million Syrian refugees that have had to leave their country because of the war there. Five million displaced people out of Lebanon, out of Syria. And, and here they are living, they've lost everything, and they're living in Syria. And, and God has created an unbelievable uh, situation there where all of these people have had to leave their homes, leave all their stuff, leave all their businesses, and now they're in Lebanon, and who's taking care of them? You know what? It's not the Muslims. It's not the Lebanese, really. It's not the Muslims, it's not the Hindus, it's not the Buddhists, it's the Christians who are taking care of them. And, and as a result of that, the impact on them is absolutely mind-boggling. This is the greatest awakening of people, Muslim people coming to Christ in the history of the world. And, and so as you see all of these different pictures and you see all the kids in the children's ministry, you see the, the, the uh, medical teams and the work that they were doing. The medical teams were seeing, on average, 100 people a day. If you're in the medical world, you know that's a lot of patients. 100 people a day. We were working with a church there. It's a, it's a Nazarene church, and that church is just exploding. And uh, they had us do some different things with that group of people, with that church, and one of the things they asked us to do was one week, every night, we were doing Bible studies. So they said, you're going to be doing a Bible study, so have some different people lead these Bible studies. <laughs> you're thinking, Bible study, right? And you get a picture in your mind when I say that. 10, 12, 15 people. The first night we went, smallest group that we had, 45. But every night, it was between 70 and 90, pretty much. And you, again, you have to understand, these, these are Muslim people who have come to Christ, who are seeking Christ, who are looking at Christ, who are asking all these questions. I led the study one night, and I really felt God prompted me to ask a question. It's kind of a, kind of a bit of an out there question. They were very interactive. By the way, when they sing their worship songs, honestly, I'll tell you, they put us to shame. I mean, they are pumped. They are excited. Have you ever heard in the Muslim world where you hear, where they're doing something really exciting, and you hear the, the women go, you, you've heard that? They're doing that in the worship services because they are pumped. They are excited about what God is doing. But I asked the question, I just simply said, how many of you have had Jesus do a very clear miracle in your life and you'd be willing to share with us? 
And I'm thinking maybe one, two people raise their hand. I'm taking a big risk here. And maybe one of them would share. Immediately, 20 hands went up. And then we had some come up and share their stories. <laughs> Incredible stories of God changing lives, changing hearts, but God actually doing miraculous things to heal people. One gal that shared, and, and, and she just said, my brother fell off a building, broke his back, couldn't walk. We brought him to the church, and the church gathered around and prayed for him. And nothing really happened. So we went to bed that night. I got up the next day, and here comes my brother walking down the hallway. The stories, mind-boggling stories of all that God was doing in these Muslim lives. I want to show you another picture, and this is, I know it's a little hard to see, but you see on the right-hand side there, this is a South Korean couple. This is Abraham and Ruth. And Abraham is an acupuncturist, and his wife is a nurse. And they left South Korea to go and live in the Baka Valley in the midst of these tent villages, reaching out and caring for these Syrian refugees. They have a small clinic there, and they keep having medical people come in to, to help with needs that can't be taken, in, taken care of in any other way. And so here's Abraham and Ruth could go back to South Korea today and make a lot of money. And live really, really nice. But they live right next to one of these camps in the Bacaw Valley, which is a desert. <laughs> and they choose to live there and invest. And when they walk through those villages, the people love them. You know why? Because they will say, you know, there's other non-government organizations, NGOs, that will send stuff. And they will give us things. And the United Nations will come, and they will come into the camps, and they'll bring stuff. But they don't really care about us. But you know what they said? Of, and we heard this over and over. Do you know what they say about them? They love us. And for that reason, they're greatly loved. One and a half million Syrian refugees, over 100,000 they have come to Christ. Unbelievable. You all have invested in the people that have shared this morning. It's you. It's our church family. We invest here locally. You prayed, you gave, you sent. God did incredible things. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but at the end of our time here, different members of the teams are going to be out in the lobby, and they're going to be at the tables out there. Could you just go talk to them and do this? Tell me one story. Just go out there and just say, tell me one more story. But also, all of these teams, most of these teams will be going back again next year. If you'd be interested in even talking about being on a team, go out there and talk to them. And just ask questions. You're not making a commitment. Just go ask questions. There will be two other teams that we're looking at taking this next summer. One is to China, which I'll be leading. And then we're also looking at taking one back to the Philippines. We've got quite a few people who are interested in that one again. So again, at the end of our time, please go out there and talk to these team members. Tell them thanks for going, but also ask them one more story. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your incredible grace and love. And thank you for an amazing privilege it is to be able to go and invest in hearts and lives all across the world. 
I pray that you would allow this church family to continue to be what you want it to be here, but also globally. And we give you all the praise in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.